Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And thanks for joining us for another Blunt Business on CannabisRia.com. Glad to have all of you with us. For my next guest, it's been almost three years since New York State legalized adult-use cannabis yet. As of January 2024, and as we're recording this program, there are only 43 dispensaries reported operating in the Empire State, according to the New York State Office of Cannabis Management. Now, my next guest is now operating at a dispensary in the Bronx, thanks to some startup help from the New York Social Equity Cannabis Investment Fund. I'm here and joined by the CEO of Status Cannabis, that's S-T-A-T-I-S Cannabis, Christian Chavez. Christian, thanks for being on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us on and good morning. Uh, good morning to you too. Thank you for making time. There's a lot to go and bring up that we can go ahead and refer to, but as I, I want to just let people know in the program, if you're listening to Blood Business all this year, you'll know that I've taken some time to talk to quite a few owners of licensees in Illinois and New York. Well, New York for this particular episode, but for Illinois in specific, and learning about the intricacies and the obstacles that are going on in the social equity licensing process. The time is taking from the license being given to the groundbreaking of a facility to the delays in inspection so that a, a temporary facility has to be put in place before the permanent facility can be allowed. All this working around has been a lot. And with that said, you know, it really doesn't matter, first of all, about for those of you that are obtaining a social equity license. It's crucial that we're learning throughout every episode we talk about this, the importance of the business acumen that you have. And if you do not have that business acumen yourself, find someone that can help you with this, find the right people that can, and bring them on board to go ahead and help make this possible. So for yourself, Christian, I noticed you've been you know, a professional 17 years plus, commercial real estate experience, five years in the cannabis industry, and you've done some key acquisition initiatives in New, York, New Jersey and Chicago. And you've also driven substantial revenue growth and return on investment on, for key stakeholders. So you have people that can work with you. you. You've been a proven asset to many companies and many, you know, other entrepreneurs out there, specifically when it comes to acquiring, renovating, and managing multiple real estate investment projects across urban communities in New Jersey and Chicago. So now let's go move forward into where we are currently. So Status Cannabis Company is the first legal Adult use cannabis dispensary in the Bronx and the location first opened up a temporary location. First of all, they relocated to your permanent location in the Mount Eden section of the Bronx late last year. 
And now, one year ago, we were talking on this program, maybe a little bit before that, but we were discussing Housing Works Cannabis, the first social equity license, CAURD, Conditional Adult Use a Retail Dispensary License. And that opened in Manhattan in December 2022. And they also went through a similar process. We didn't get to talk to them, but I'm glad we're talking to you about this. So I want to hear from you the obstacles you dealt with to work around the building process and what financial setbacks you had to incur. Absolutely. Um, and be happy to share. So, I mean, I think that um, the initiative and the concept um, was all fantastic uh, from the state of New York. I think the issue was the execution and rollout. And that's you know, kind of similar in nature in, in multiple states. But New York, I think, had the best plan, but probably the poorest execution. So some of the challenges, I mean, that, that we're dealing in New York is, I mean, we were fortunate enough, I mean, just to kind of go back in time, we opened our doors on July 6, 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's we were very fortunate to open one month before the injunction. And the reason for that injunction is because, like I said, you know, it was or execution. Um, you know, the the lawmakers dropped the ball on a few things and they left some some holes open. And I think right even to this point, we're dealing with uh, another potential injunction. Who knows whether it's going to stick or not, but there is another lawsuit pending. Now, I wanna, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, but I want to also ask now. Sure. So it was July of last year, you actually opened up. Was this a temporary or was this a permanent facility? No, so the and that's you know kind of an interesting story here. So we obtained our license in November 2022. Uh, we opened up our doors at our temporary location on Trema in um, on July 6th. Uh, it is now January 23rd, and we are still in our temporary location. Now, however, our temporary location is built out almost like a, a full blown. Uh, permanent location, but we were supposed to move to the Yankee Stadium area, which we still are uh, quite some time ago. Uh, the injunction, the delays since August really kind of, uh, you know, we, we took a hit on on timing. Um, as helpful as, you know, Dazzy and the Social Equity Fund ha- have been, I mean, you know, the OCM is, is inundated. It's very difficult to get replies. Um, so, you know, there's 400 plus licensees uh you know, card licensees, but there's just not enough uh, support to to act quickly. And the challenge that um, my fellow card you know holders have is that you can have funding, or you can have DASNY behind you with the social equity fund. You can have a location that you brought to the table, or one that they brought. But because of you know some of the challenges, like you know these lawsuits, or you know the lack of staff. I mean, it may take weeks until you get a proximity lock. And proximity lock in New York City is pretty much everything. Um, so that's a challenge that a lot of card members are having right now. Because, I mean, how long can you hold some of these properties? You know, like you, you're a lot of these, uh, you know, card licensees are paying monthly lock fees, or they're already entering into a full blown lease uh, with a personal guarantee. So the challenge is, you know. I mean, like a regular bit, like if, if you're going to go buy a real estate, you know, building, I mean, you know, your timeline, right? You go, you talk to the bank, you get your appraisal, you, you get your mortgage commitment. There, there's a timeline that you're, you have expectations. Um, with this, you know, you can be spinning your wheels and kind of go nowhere um, and have everything ready on, on the business side of things. So it's, it's quite challenging. And, and, you know, we right now are working on an expansion plan and it's challenging for us because we are 
co-branding and partnering with other car licensees. And we're, again, spinning our wheels going nowhere. So we're seeing it firsthand. Um, you know, we have multiple locations that, you know, we just haven't had an answer uh, if we can move into or not. And we are burning money every single month. So, I mean, great. We have our doors open, but, you know, my, my fellow card members and friends of ours that, you know, we have in the industry, I mean, some of them are, are close to bankrupt because of this. So, I mean, it's just some of the challenges I'm describing, but it's it's not an easy one. Again, it's it's the execution and the lack of staffing and the, the turnaround time is is really quite a big issue. I, I can imagine. And I'm thinking, when I talk about housing wars, I try to go back and think about how long ago they started with theirs. I think it was, it was three months, I think it was, for them to go ahead and go from the temporary to the permanent. But six months now going... On this, what can you tell me that's been said about, now obviously you're hearing about the reasons why, but when you talk directly to the OCM or, or to or the governing bodies that will allow you to move forward through inspection and allow you to open up in Mount Eden, what are they telling you? I mean, I wouldn't put it all on, on them um, for status not moving to their permanent location. That was more of the delay on the injunction side of things. Right. So delay the entire process. Um, but you know, with our co-branding deals with other card licenses, it's the only way that we can, you know, expand on status at the moment. Um, we're firsthand, you know, working with these card licenses. And I mean, there's just no, there's no responses. I mean, I, I have a few, few of our colleagues and partners have emails to the OCM and, you know, they're asking, Hey, we submitted our uh, postcard application with a location that we're paying for every single month back in early December. It is now mid to end of January. Where do we stand? Is there somebody else in the area? Are are you granting us this approval for this location? We know in conforms, but the only way that we wouldn't get approval is because somebody's in that thousand foot proximity lock, you know, in that in that immediate area. But we just need answers. You know, uh, the car community needs quick answers because, I mean, we're not MSOs. We don't have tens of millions of dollars at our disposal. And it's burning holes to our pocket, and it's impacting families and uh, and businesses, and it's just a huge domino effect. I mean, this this is a lot of, you know, fellow incarcerated individuals. This was their dream, and yeah, we're we're getting really impacted by the lack of communication and the delays and the lawsuits and the holes in the in the agendas here. So that's it's unfortunate, very very sad. And even then, with all that hardship you've gone through because i mean for whatever money you're making right now successfully you know it's still about you still have to go maintain a second facility that you can't operate which i can only imagine what 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 kind of deal that's all about but let's go and talk about the lawsuit itself you mentioned a couple times which and and again we're not trying to go and you know i'm not trying to go and you know put down the ocm or these bodies that are trying to go and do this we're just asking for answers we're just asking what what can be done here now so last month, the New York judge approved settling a lawsuit followed by a group of service-disabled veterans, granted the group a provisional license and paving the way for more than 400 provisional licensees to open cannabis dispensaries. But the settlement terms that were not made public when the Cannabis Control Board approved the settlement blocked the issuance of new conditional adult-use retail dispensary licenses until April of 2024. So I believe this is the lawsuit that will be one of those that would be affecting licensees like yours from moving forward to your new facility. So you're also currently working on obtaining a license to expand into Manhattan and to the Times Square area. So 
again, I mean, it's the same process here. Where, where are you on the process now for the Manhattan location? Uh, are you able to get to the point where you can get to a temporary facility or is that also on hold? No, that's a great question. And it's a little bit of what I was kind of referring to before. I just didn't give enough details. Um, we have multiple Manhattan locations, you know, up from uptown all the way downtown that we are, you know, basically paying into these uh, into these rents or lot fees um, and are tied in with landlord and leases from multiple locations. So the the um, you know I guess the issue with these car with these card licenses not getting responses, we can't even get to a temporary location. So they, we can't even get a temporary approval to open up our doors. Now the concept here is, hey OCM, is this good or no? Or do you approve us? If you do, all right. Now let's start our construction process and come inspect and we open up our doors. But we're not even at the point of a, it's a yes or no. Um, it's most likely a yes eventually if no one's in that area. But we can't open up temporary a temporary location. We can't open up a permanent location. Um, you know the the cannabis grow showcases. If you know what that is, which I can talk about and elaborate. Those stopped on twelve thirty one of last year. Which we were, you know, we were doing very well with that in up in White Plains as a right. temporary location we had. So you know, we're we're very restricted. So like you said, you know, with status is doing okay. We're doing well. Uh, people are getting to know us. We've got you know built brand recognition, but you know at the same time, you know, we initiated on this expansion plan early on last year, and you know, with the inability to open up temporarily or permanently anywhere else. And no answers from the OCM is is genuinely burning pockets through, um, our you know ourselves and and our fellow card members. So there's it seems that there's no one in sight. And I hope in the next couple of weeks we have a little bit more clarity and some approvals from um from the OCM. And the you know the irony is that they're working on the general application pool already, but the 400 plus licensees that can't even get a response right. When- doors that have leases in place and are mm. money. So that's just completely ironic to me how, you know, we're going to approve another 250 to 500 licenses from my understanding when the first 400 and change, some that have the money and have the locations can't even get answers to open up our doors. Well, I can imagine, I mean, yeah. if you want to go and do a spiel to go and handle the, the market that we have so far and, and try to go ahead and, you know, reach the demand that New York State's going to have, or especially in New York City alone, and trying to figure out what you're, what are you going to do to go ahead and help take care of that market? It's so much that there is that you can only do so much of. And it's like, when I thought about last March, I went to New York City uh, because I was there for uh, the final eight, uh, the NCAA tournament. And I just remember- uh, I was there I was there also. I was for because my alma mater, uh, Ford Atlantic, went there to the Final Four, and uh, they went and played at Madison Square Garden. Love that game. Love that venue, by the way. So much, there's so much uh, spirit in that place. You just feel like there's a, a, it's history. The mecca of basketball. (laughs) And I loved it. I mean, it was a little bit, you know, as you could tell, they've been either renovated again, but I loved it. (laughs) And I love my experience in New York every time I go. I've, I've been about seven or eight times in the last 10 years. It's, or no, more than that, actually. That's been like, what since 2006 yeah been going for a long time mm-hmm. but you know what great place uh, oh no i agree but now when it comes back to it 
what I was thinking about was that, okay, when you think about like any just Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Large-scale retailers. How, okay, if you want to see Dwayne Reed, you want to go to a Walgreens, you want to go to a Walgreens drink, Dwayne Reed, right? Or Dunkin', Star, Dunkin Donuts or Starbucks. But Dunkin', right? Not Dunkin' Donuts. Just to du- take the donuts off. You're thinking about like, okay, every couple of blocks, you're seeing these all located everywhere. And you would think cannabis, you know, retailers, dispensaries should also be in that same proximity, multiple locations, which is what you're trying to do in Manhattan. I mean, because it is pretty d- difficult to go and say, okay, in New York State, in New York City itself, proper. If you're going to go walking, you know, are you going to walk 20, 30, 40 blocks to get to, you know, a particular cannabis dispensary when you have others in closer proximity, unless you're able to build in proximity multiple locations close enough to make it so that it's a, not an overly expensive cab ride or it's easy to get on the subway up and back and get down there. Like, I, I mean, the strategy to go and just get that just to service the public anyway has must be difficult. And this just adds to the process. So like, what do you think in terms about what you're doing right now from a real estate standpoint? Obviously, you have the understanding of location, 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 where you want to go ahead and put these locations on, regardless of the obstacles of trying to get them open. But what can you think about the strategy for yourself starting off in the Bronx and then say, okay, and you said you want to be near Yankee Stadium, that's where you have it now. The plan would be then Times Square, then you have other Manhattan locations. Talk to me about the location process. Well, I mean, internally as, um, you know, as a team and, you know, our business strategy here was quite, quite simple. I mean, we are kind of branding ourselves as, as an urban luxury brand. Um, to be able to reach a broad audience with, you know, high quality products and, you know, very high quality service. So we're trying to be in certain pockets that we feel, we feel fit. Um, there's a certain, um, you know, certain amount of foot traffic, obviously, um, you know, an area that, that can help well with, within our logistics, you know, we also do delivery. So we, we are kind of working from all the way from Westchester County, Bronx, where we are now into, you know, one or two uptown, midtown, as you mentioned, and going all the way to one or two downtown and into the, into Brooklyn. So if we get our way and all the stars are aligned, we can potentially have four or five stores by the end of the year. However, it's like I'm going to compare it to real estate. If you and I go ahead and partner up and buy five multifamilies and renovate them and put them on the market, or try to refinance them and rent them, 
I mean, that's up to you and I, right? I mean, the only holdup might be, you know, a city permit or construction, regular regular business um, <laughs> details um, and hiccups that occur in any business. But the issue with this is we're doing all of that, just like we're renovating a house on the real estate. That, like, we, we have the lease, we, we, we control it, but we're in limbo. I mean, and, and every month that we are in limbo is less money in our pockets Right. And instead of doing four, five, six stores, I mean, if this takes another six months, I, I can't commit to, you know, five, six stores for status. We might be at three. So it uh, has a direct impact on, you know, companies' finances. I mean, it, for, for, I mean it's obvious. But um, in terms of the, the real estate, that is, you know, we're just trying to strategically locate ourselves in prime areas, prime real estate with enough foot traffic and you know, sustainable and, and good logistics for the rest of our operations. Yeah, they're definitely putting a dent to your business plan. We're going to come back with more here with our guest in the program, Christian Chavez, the CEO of Status Cannabis. And when we come back, as we're talking right now with you, Christian, you know, being <clears throat> a prominent social equity licensee here in the state of New York, we've talked about the issues when it comes to the openings, when it comes to the inspection process, when it comes to, you know, location process. But now the other part is the financial part. Now, this is where those social equity licensees are going to come in here with cards and you're going to think about the fact of what you're going to be putting in terms of investment into this right before you even get a store open. Well, I want to go and bring up a story that NPR brought up very fast when they brought the story up. I'm going to bring that up about the loans and the interest rates that would have to be paid on said loans for those entering into the investment funds. We're going to talk about that here with Christian Chavez once again here on Blunt Business. And by the way, if you want to look at the website while we are going to break, make sure to take a look at statuscannabis.com, S-T-A-T-I-S cannabis.com. Take a look at that while we go to break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Christian Chavez, CEO of Status Cannabis. Story from NPR really got my attention. I thought this was, I'm really glad I get to ask you about this. So this story, the, the program is called the indicator from planet money. So this is what they wrote in their, and their, it was a particular piece that they put on their program. Quote, New York initially had set up a $200 million social equity fund, but licensees we spoke to like Carl Anderson said the process to get this money has been slow and frustrating. Anderson explained, quote, every day the question becomes, is this worth it? Is it worth the stress? Is it worth the bills that are mounting? because I'm certainly mounting a bunch of lawyer fees. Anderson would continue to say that he considered getting a loan from the Cannabis Social Equity Investment Fund, but in the end, he didn't think it was worth the 13 to 14% interest rate he would have to pay. And the reason for that interest rate, <clears throat> the majority of the money in the fund comes from a private investment firm called Chicago Atlantic. And Anderson would go on to say that, quote, at the end of the day, it wasn't really about equity or social equity, it was about ROI. It doesn't give social equity a chance in hell. You're like anybody else, a predatory lender that's playing on the market. So, Christian, I wanted to get your thoughts about this claim that's being made here about the level of business support future licensees need to have in preparation to obtain a social equity license. What have you heard about anything about this when it comes to the investment fund and, you know, what's going to be paid before you even get started? So, I have a, a different perspective on this. Okay. Um, I'm not in full agreement with, um, I guess, the previous guest. But again, everybody, it, it, I guess it all depends 
on what your financial resources are. And I would say that uh, just coming from the real estate space and you know being in cannabis five, six years at this point, Cannabis is very difficult to uh, to fund. There's not many funders out there. Uh, the reason right. predatory is is used so much that term is because somebody willing to take the risk in cannabis and something that's federally illegal and that is just a business um, is is just highly risky and um, they're going to want more. And what I, I I've come across, I mean. I have a background in finance, you know, raising capital for obviously real estate projects and now cannabis. Right. And I would say that, I mean, most of the investors in the space, they are double digits, uh, you know, interest. And most of them want, want equity kickers. So I have, I, I think there's pros and cons to using the fund. I think that uh, we, we initially, you know, just so you know, we jumped in through the fund but because it was a temporary location, they gave us some support, some cabinets, some paint. They did some stuff. We did 70% yeah. of it, but they did assist. So I have nothing bad or good to say about them. They were there. They were support. You know, they're supporting us. We were fully, you know, we had a great management team and we were, you know, fully equipped uh, to do everything. But with their support, we moved quicker. The thing is that I don't think it's an issue with the, the 13, 14, 15%. Actually, I think that is um, a very reasonable interest rate for this type of business, especially that they, um, you know, they, they kind of, there's no personal guarantee or anything. It's just attached to the license. So in, in no, no lender out in this space is going to give you a loan um, that without a PG, without a, without any collateral. So right. I think first off, I think it's a great off. The challenges that I see are, are two major challenges. One is speed. Um, by the time that they give you a location, I mean, you're going to have a thousand licenses open. So we had to bring a location in. And that's what I think some card members you know, didn't realize. You can't just sit back and wait for this DASNY program to fix itself because, they, again, they have good ideas. They're working on execution. Um, you have to attack. You have to work daily. You have to figure out how to get your store open. And that's what exactly what we did. We went side by side with the fund. <laughs> we didn't get to our permanent, but we, we, we were able to submit multiple locations for their approval. And thankfully we opened a month before the injunction. If we didn't do that again, I know dozens of people and friends that were waiting and they didn't get anything. Now, you know, you have other scenarios, you know, like, like smack, you know, uh, for example, smack village is one of the first ones open. Mm -hmm. They got or they got their location. That's, that's a great location. Beautiful, beautiful build up. Yeah. Uh, they, they were fortunate, but that's not the case for all 400 and change licenses. But now this is comes down to those that are getting the social equity. It's not just being qualified for a license that you think that everything else is going to be taken care of. I think, well, listen, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to think that people don't realize if you're getting to be a social equity licensee, you know, where is the money coming from? Like there, you know, thank you NPR for reporting this. Okay. It's a public private partnership. They're taking it with a private equity firm or a private investment firm. And they're the ones that are doling out the money, but then it's got to be paid back. It's a loan. It's not going to be anything where it's going to be, you know, forgiven and all. It's like, this is not government assistance that for anybody to think that that was going to be the case here. It's not, I mean, sure. Like you said, there might've been some assistance here and there, but not enough to go ahead and, you know, 
Here you always at a finish line of getting your building built out and then you're ready to go ahead and just start making money on it. No, you're going to start paying back the government or the or the, who they're getting to go ahead and give out the investment fund and to put out that $200 million that they, you know, gracefully you know, and, and graciously actually go ahead and offered for companies to go ahead and get themselves up and going. But this is the part where with a lot of social equity licensees, we're hearing some of those things where, okay, just the application fee alone is, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and that's already put somebody in the hole right away so where is the money going to be coming where is the funding going to be coming from in the first place i mean people just have to understand it if you're going to come in here you know this guest from npr by the way it's not somebody i brought on this is just what, what npr brought on but i thought they had this first person account they brought this information forward and yeah wasn't it about equity or social equity about roi why do you think they want to, I mean, social equity, it's a do-good thing. But for those that think it's going to be reformative, okay, I mean, there's a good nature to what social equity is. But it's still a business at the end of the day. What they're doing is offering opportunity, business opportunities, for those that might not have had the opportunity to get in the first place. Legacy operators, for example. That's a great choice of words. I, I think it's uh, the opportunity that they're putting out in front of you. That, that is very well put. Um, it's it's a business opportunity that they created for these individuals like ourselves, like our card license. So um, it's not, you know, there's no there's no free funding. There's no free partnership. There's no I mean, they do they do give you, uh, you know, assistance as much as you like. But in terms of I mean, you're paying for that assistance. So just like any business. So it, it, is, it is a loan. I mean, it's 100 percent loan. I mean, that's that's a good thing, you know, in terms of you know fully, fully funding you. But um, yeah, there's 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 caveats. I mean, in order to play the game, you have to pay for that application. I mean, it, it, it is costly. You have to talk to, um, you know, you have to have uh, attorneys. You have to have a consultant. You know, granted, there was some you know nonprofits assisting some of these card members like us. Um, you know, we paid for ours, unfortunately. But I mean, there it, it's it's costly to you know it's it's a pay to play. Of course, nothing's given for free here, but it it creates a good opportunity. The thing is. Uh, once you're in it, you get sucked in and uh, you can lose a lot of money up until you get open. So it's like you create the opportunity, but you have to have a seamless process. If not, we're all going to go out of business. <laughs> it's not a sustainable way to to expand or to, to, you know, to run. I mean, there's a lot of people that left their jobs to embark on this venture to open up this dispensary. And, you know, they, they don't have responses yet. From the but I'll tell you, for those that are able to go and make it through, they, I, I would imagine you also knew Christian, you and your wife, when you put this together, that you would know there would be some obstacles, there would be some t kind of red tape, the things that got to go around, that the process might not come across so smoothly. You plan for that. And any other social equity licensee I've talked to, I've noticed the ones that have been successful are the ones that have the business acumen and understanding, yeah, we're going to have to go through all this. And also, I want to make sure I have the right people on board to help me go through this. So... Yesterday, I talked to a couple of guests we're going to have on the program on a few upcoming episode. You know, one person is, you know, very well sounded, experienced in construction, you know, Army veteran from the from the Gulf War. His wife is a CPA. Uh, he's an MBA. I mean, they're, they get it, man. They've been, and they work together in, in, in construction in various other areas and accounting and investment and financing. They get it. They have so much experience and they decided to go into this route together. And they figured it out. I also had a great guest, uh, Keyshawn Warner, with uh, Days Cannabis. And he's got, like, I think five or six dispensaries open now in there and uh, expanded to Massachusetts. But for him, 
you know, he was someone that, you know, was incarcerated at 15 years old. Find his way, you know, he was selling it at one point, but now he is, uh, he was selling it when it was illegal, but now he's doing it properly and legally as a legacy operator, but found the right people to work with and also his own business acumen to make it across. So like you plan for these kind of things. It's just not right that you have to go through it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Agreed, 100%. The other part is that it also, it just, with every social equity, like I said, I brought up legacy operators because it's always a part of like, for all those that, is, that are getting the licenses, that I want to see legacy operators, those that have been not just getting employ, you know, employment, but they have a chance at ownership. They can also run and operate and become entrepreneurs again in the business that, hey, at that time, you know, was illegal. But still, if they're able to go ahead and show that they have, you know, proven their way, they can go in and be legit, let them be legit. That's what I want more than anything as part of the process. Now, the other part is, is that we're still dealing with a rampant illicit market problem. And that's been continued to talk about. So they're now, they've had reports of an estimated 1,500 stores selling cannabis without a license in New York City. This is according to New York City Mayor Eric Adams, New York City Sheriff Anthony Miranda said last year, you know, there's a lot of things going on when it comes to New York State and New York City. You know, they have their own issues with, you know, Eric Adams, you know, really up and added about asking for the federal government to help with the immigration problem and all the immigrants from making their way up to New York City and other areas. So the Office of Cannabis Management has said recently that agency investigators and the Department of Taxation and Finance inspected inspected 48 shops suspected of selling unlicensed cannabis in December and seized $4.2 million worth of weed products. And in total, officials have seized some $57 million worth of cannabis from stores in the five boroughs since the crackdown was announced last spring. Let's remember that was Governor Hochul talking about that and praising that. But talk to me about also about the solicit market, Christian, and how law enforcement and the control board have been addressing it, this illegal activity. When you see what's going on here, you know, again, taking away the profits like yours, have they been doing enough? I mean, obviously it's been widespread. It's been so rampant. And, you know, you have buses, you have, you know, mobile vehicles moving around selling cannabis, taking away at potential profits of yours. Have they been doing enough? I mean, I mean, it's 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 a clear no. Um, are are they trying to? Are they working on an in- initiative? I mean, again, I'm I'm going based on what I see yeah. on the press, you know. Yeah. And but internally, we're not hearing too much about a successful initiative. I mean, there there's buzz here and there, but there's uh, hasn't translated to any action so far. Now, you know, I again, being in business for a long time, I understand that things take time. Um, should should some of these initiatives been in place prior to licensing? Absolutely. I mean, I, I would have done something like that or or suggested that. And I'm sure others have have, have done it. But um look, around around our, our Bronx location, there's been no store that has been shut down. I mean, zero um BOCM has not come in there. There has been any 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 shutdowns. And then, you know, I mean the the best um example right now and and you know, is is the company Conbud. I'm sure you guys probably seen an article out there. If not, you should look for it. I don't know who came out with it, but there there was something an article published. I think uh, one to two weeks ago. Uh huh. It started with a map, and that map literally showed where Conbud downtown is located and how many illicit shops are within like a half mile radius. 
And I think it's to the extent of like 20. I mean, how can a company succeed when you have, um, you know, we have 20, 15, 20 locations that are illegal, illicit shops around you. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, they have their clientele. Um, they're taking business away from you. They're, you're trying to do it the right way and you can't because you have the illicit competition. So, um, yeah, again, to answer your question, I don't think there's, you know, things that are being done or enough. I mean, are there things in the background and they're working on it and they're going to be successful in a year? Possibly, maybe. But until I see it, I mean, it's it's really hard to, to say because ar- around me, there hasn't been anything. And same thing for, you know, the example I just gave you on com- Combat. And so I'll put it like this. I think, and I, I agree with you on this. I'll, I'll put it like this. I think that they are trying, but they are overwhelmed by the amount of illicit activity going on. I think that's just one place more than anything else. Uh, they're just somewhere right now. There's a story from uh, our town, otdowntown.com. And they're making a the point that in the Lower East Side, that there are 34 cannabis shops and only one of them is licensed. Like, that's what I was, yeah, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, that's that's the article. Okay, that's it. All right, there we go. So actually, in the world, right? All this, and Conver was the one that was the only legal yeah. one that's in the, in the area. That's it's, wild. It's insane. It's preposterous. <laughs> I mean, how, how can that happen? Um, I mean, you should have enforcement there, I mean, a few times a week doing something about this. You have a gentleman that invested a lot of money into this place and it just, it needs to be done. It needs to be done right. And the state has to take action. And the same story we were talking about the fact that they have another person that's trying to open up with a dispensary license in Staten Island, $1.6 million in expenses so far, $200,000 in legal fees, still not open. And for Conbud and Cost Mart, uh, the owner of Conbud, he says he spent more than $1 million getting ready to open for the location there. That's just like, yep. but it's, it's also, it's so many other companies going to the same thing. So many other business owners try to get themselves up and then there's like this rampant activity they can't do anything about. That's, that's the part of like, yeah, and what can we say? I know New York State, you're trying. Thank you for that. But there's got to be more you can do. I mean, I don't know what else you could do, but like there's this really hits up of what's going on. So like, you know, I I wish it was a better answer for that. But wow, that's crazy. I am 100% with you. I mean, it's it's one challenge after another. Yeah. And again, it's, it's a very expensive game to play in. Um, so, I mean, I guess, um, you know, a lot of people are going to be over leveraged by the time they get open. I mean, it's kind of the only way to survive, right? I mean, if you don't have the funds. So it's, it's just a sad series of events, um, you know, with, with the state of New York to get this program out and rolling. Exactly. So we're going to go and come on back. I, I want to go and just focus just on status itself and just, you know, let's go, let's go and put a nice, happy ending to this in terms of just, let's go and look on the positive side. You're here, you have, you know, you have the temporary up, you are getting your product out of the community and we're going to get a chance to go ahead and find out more about it. And also you're doing a lot when it comes to doing delivery services for the Bronx and Manhattan. We're going to talk all about that coming up more here with Christian Chavez, CEO of Status Cannabis. So again, the website is statiscannabis.com. Great conversation with Christian. We're going to continue it and finish things up right after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. I'm back with final questions with Christian Chavez, CEO of Status Cannabis here on Blood Business. So it's also been getting a lot of good praise, Christian, for what you've been doing, uh, Secret New York, uh, New York City.co. They actually 
rated status as one of the seven best dispensaries in New York City for legal cannabis. Love to hear that. And a lot of uh, a lot of good names that are also put in the same vein as this, but I'm glad to go and see that you also got brought into this. And the fact is that Status Cannabis is a minority and woman-owned cannabis business. You're emphasizing on cannabis culture, celebrating cannabis culture and community. And, you know, you offer for the Bronx and Upper Manhattan. You have, you know, you can even get it delivered to the borough at above 58th Street if you're in Manhattan. So you got a lot going on there. You're reaching to a lot of people. Talk to me about, you know, what the store's been able to do so far and, you know, being able to go and get yourself at least at this point. Sure. No, I mean, we are fortunate enough to have opened before that injunction. We are extremely happy uh, to connect with the community. I think it's allowed us to uh, plan this expansion. Um, you know, over at Status, we are, um, you know, I have become a cannabis staple because there is, isn't much going on in the Bronx. So we've expanded already and, and included delivery service. Um, you know, we, do deliver in the Bronx. We extend out to um, into Manhattan, and of course, as we uh, open up additional locations, we'll keep going all the way into Brooklyn. So, very excited, very happy that we're able to get our doors open. Um, we have a wonderful staff, a wonderful management company. Uh, we have big dreams like the other dispensaries. So, hopefully, we can execute on them and uh, bring high quality service and and cannabis to, you know, to our consumers. So, uh, very happy at the moment. So currently the location is eight, so 817 East Tremont Avenue, the Crotona section of the Bronx. What is it that you're really right now in terms of, you know, well, there, there was also a report going back a lot from the Bronx times talking about that you were looking to move to a Jerome Avenue storefront, which is under construction. But, um, at the moment, you're still working on trying to get the second shop near Times Square, man. That is not open yet. What's the whole story right now in terms of when the permanent location can happen for the Bronx and when the upper Manhattan, the Times Square and Manhattan location, where are we on both of those right now? So when it goes, when, when discussing the Bronx in a permanent location, we had um, uh, two or three addresses in the mix and we were in talks with the Social Equity Fund and Dassin. So again, when, when working with them, things are a little bit slower. There's certain teams that need to evaluate, um, you know, the real estate, the demographics, the data. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, um, but behind the scenes, we can bless it and it could be good for us in our business model. But if it doesn't work for them, you kind of have an issue. So, um, you know, if you're not right next to a subway, if there's certain things that they look at. So there was multiple delays, um, in kind of going to our permanent location uh, Jerome was one of them. We have something in Yankee, in, you know, next to Yankee Stadium. Um, unfortunately, they don't really let me share the the exact address at the moment. But we do have a permanent location that we are moving to eventually in the next few months. So that's all in the works. Um, again, the um, the injunction slowed us down. We should this should have happened at the end of last year. But it, you know, we are where we are in terms of the additional locations into Manhattan. I mean, we were told by the OCM, our license comes with, you know, delivery, consumption, retail, and up to three locations, as you know, you probably already know. Right. But there's no guidance. So they do not technically allow us to open up store two and three yet. So in order to comply and conform and, and to get the brand out there, we actually have to partner with another card licensee. 
Which is good and bad, right? We're giving the opportunity to another car licensee. The bad part is now we have to share profits, right? I mean, we can only take uh, half of that license. So it, it it's it's quite messy, but we're so eager to to expand on our brand to, into these prime locations that we have partnered. We have found great card partners to do a co-branding deal where we come we can go in there and you know expand on status and just you know we're we're well known now, but you know hopefully by the end of next year we're all across Manhattan. You know, so um that's the part that i said is all ocm we need responses we have none now we've been emailing them day and night for the last couple of weeks because the the deadline to submit your locations was sometime in december i think december 18th so we're here waiting and there's no responses and it should be a quick this works or this doesn't work because it's just a proximity review so right. so that's where we are our hands are tied and but again to stay on the positive um, we have prime locations. We are just waiting for approvals and we are definitely moving to a different location in the Bronx to a, a bigger footprint. I mean, we're at a pretty big footprint now, 3,300 square feet, but, um, you know, happy to move to the permanent location and call it our permanent home. Right. So now if you go to the website, statuscannabis.com, S-T-A-T-I-S, cannabis.com, you can see the full line of Flowers, pre-rolls, edibles, vapes, gear, and concentrates all across. The, anything from the website you can specifically point out to people real quick that you have been getting a lot of response to uh, in terms of anything you're growing yourself or you know, products you've been able to go ahead and put on the shelves or people have been able to go and get delivered? Uh, we've been, we have been doing really well recently with Pharmacan. Um, so check them out. Um, I believe we also have Canicure, Flower House, Flores Farms. I mean, those are kind of the the four brands that are really killing it right now. So, you know, and, and they vary. I mean, they have from concentrates to to flower, you know, so I mean you have a nice mix, you know, mix of products there. So definitely encourage you um and the listeners to to go through the website and, and try some of those brands. They have, you know, some some good good options. Yeah, we I've seen quite a few names that you have in here. I was see Live Well and Jetty Extracts. We're pretty familiar with as well. Yes, yes. Exactly. A lot of good products you have across here. And also for those that looking for delivery, if you're in New York City and you're within the delivery area, uh, $100 minimum, minimum delivery for products from there. But uh, so, so far, I mean, how's the foot traffic been going in? Obviously, that's the most important thing when it comes to New York uh, City for any business. There's a little bit of foot traffic you're getting and people walking into the door and finding your location, how's what's the experience been so far? It's been very good. I mean, it's it's what we expected. Uh, we are not close to any major, major transportation other than buses. So we are definitely, like I said, staple in the community. I mentioned it often because we are kind of your, your community legal dispensary. And, you know, we have a lot of repeat customers. And, um, you know, we've built off of that on the delivery side of things. So it's nice that, um, you know, people actually go out of their way to come visit us um, as well. I mean, there's, you know, with no subway within reach, you know, maybe like a mile away, I mean, you have a lot of people driving there, you know, taking, taking Ubers to us. So it's like, you know, they really want to get their treatment from our, you know, highly, the great staff that we have. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been pretty, pretty good so far. A lot of, a lot of traffic, but I, I'm sure that once we move to our permanent location, you know, where it's located we're going to be much, much busier. I'm sure of it. So it's just a matter of time. Hopefully the lawsuits are going to finally get themselves settled and rectified. 
and then you know you and your team you and move along and get into that nice brand new location. What can you tell me about the new location in terms of the size and you know anything else you're going to be adding to it once it's finally able to be opened? Well, all I can say it's going to be a state of the art facility. Um, we're going to allow to do a lot of cool designs um, appropriate for the area, meaning um, you know connecting with the Bronx and its culture and its history. So that's going to be the cool the cool part of the design. And, um, you know, we're at that point, that's once we move, we're going to expand and pretty much deliver to all five boroughs as well. So, um, once we move and stay in our permanent location, I think, uh, we'll be able to service the, the rest of New York city. I will say the one thing when walking around and I did about 30 miles of walking, me and my brother within 36 hours walking around the city. I mean, it, it was what the first day was like, yeah, but a good 20 miles we walked. And I was like, you know, the one thing is it's one thing of being in that weather. 40 degrees, I think it was during the the time in March, and a little bit rainy, but like seriously, like you can just huff around those streets like so easily. And I enjoy the walking. It was just wonderful. Finally got to the Central Park this time around. But one thing I'll tell you, those delivery boys on the bikes, my God, those guys will are you get coming out of nowhere. And like for all the DoorDash, you know, like uh Uber East types that are going around there, and you see those guys with the bikes and the bags, the baskets, they're just like whizzing around. I can only imagine how the status cannabis folks are going to be able to get their traffic, uh, their deliveries going along in that foot traffic around there. Like seriously, they need to put some bigger bike lanes or something like that to go ahead and handle the traffic. It's crazy. So, No, it is. I mean, we're looking at freezing rain at, right now out the window. Oh. Uh, so uh, very difficult to get around, but that's why we're here. We are, uh, we're committed to serve the clients, you know, in snow, rain, sleet, we're, we're ready. Well, you have to be. I think you want it. It's it's part of the it's part of the climate. It's, it's the, the the city itself. Well, and, you know, if uh, you get yourself down down to South Florida where I'm at, you know, it's nice to go visit North New York City when I get a chance when you know the time is right. But I'll if as much as I can, I'll stay around 70 degrees where I'm at here in South Florida. It's been pretty nice. Enjoy, enjoy. But I hope to get back to New York State, New York City, very soon. I love the city. Um, I feel like it's like a second home. I love it. So. I wish you nothing but the best, you and your team, and thank you for making time to go and talk to me about the whole social equity process. It really was enlightening to go and learn about the whole experience. Thank you again, Christian. No, thank you for having us. I appreciate it. So again, both of us here with my guest, Christian Chavez, CEO of Status Cannabis. Again, website, website again is S-T-A-T-I-S, cannabis.com. Thanks for listening in, and we'll talk to you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.